Well, turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. We're continuing, of course, our study of the life of Daniel in the, in the book of Daniel, of course. And we've seen him from the time he was a very young man taken off into captivity to, to being an old man serving in the Medio Persian Empire. And so this morning we're moving really into a, a really a, a exciting part, but a hard part of the book. And I want you to realize something that in the first six chapters, Daniel 1 through 6, these people have had dreams and visions. We saw that Daniel is the one to call in to interpret. But when we start chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, Daniel has the visions and dreams, and God uses angels to interpret to him. And so it, as we see chapter 7, we're going to see the future history unfolding right before our eyes. And at future from the time of Daniel, we can look back, and it's already happened, and there's still things to come. And we're going to see from Daniel's time in the empire of the Babylonians and the Medio Persians all the way up to the final time in which Jesus Christ comes as the king. Chapter 7 has the most detailed and comprehensive prophecy of future events, beginning with the Babylonian Empire and going all the way through to what we call the Ten King Federation where the Antichrist comes during the tribulation time period and then climaxed by the time that Jesus Christ comes as the king. So there's a lot there. We see the entire scope of prophecy in Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to see the same as we get into chapter 8. It'll be a little bit different, but we'll see how it fits together. This morning, a vision by Daniel, and an angel interprets the vision. And we'll, we won't get all of that today, because we're only going to get the first 10 verses, but we see animals rising up out of the sea. It's progression of the empires. So... God reveals the future to Daniel. He wrote it in the book, and when we see it, we look back and realize that what was revealed to Daniel was future to Daniel and his past, and it came true exactly as God said it would. So there's some great things we'll see as we study this. Whenever you say prophecy, whenever you say studying end-time events and prophecies, there are usually two reactions. One is there are people who say, well, you just can't know it. You can't understand it. I mean, the Bible's too vague. And I mean, there's, you know, they call it apocalyptic language. And you look at it and you say, well, I just can't understand that. It's just symbolic and nobody can know what it means. The only thing that matters is one day Jesus is coming back and that's all we care about. Others say, no, 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 you can actually understand it. And you can put his word together, and God wants us to know it. Now, we're the second group that says you can understand it. You can understand God's plan for the ages, and he has revealed it to us. Now, let me just say this, that to, to be able to put together the end-time events, it takes more than just saying the book of Daniel. In fact, I've said it this way. If you really wanted to try to put together what the Bible says about end-time events, you need to look at Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah, Zechariah, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, the book of Jude, and the book of Revelation. And that's not all of it, but that's the main places. If you could put those together, you'll get the flow. And a lot of times, uh, we give you the end times. There's a, as you come in to the church, there's that table out there, and there's these little cards. One of the little cards is the flow of end-time events. We have it sitting out there all the time. You can pick that up anytime that gives you the big flow of end-time events. Let's think about the book of Daniel because we've seen the first six chapters. And let me tell you, think, let's see what we think seen in the first six chapters. First of all, chapter one, we saw that Daniel was a faithful guy. At 14, 15 years old, taken off into captivity, the Babylonian Empire, he was faithful to live by the Bible, to faithful to do what God wanted to do. He's a faithful man. We saw in chapter two that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of a big statue. We're going to see it again this morning and talk about it. And it's, it showed us that God is the God who reveals. He revealed the future. In chapter 3, we saw God as the deliverer because that's when the young guys were thrown in the fiery furnace and God delivered them, even though he didn't have to. I mean, he did, though, and God is a God of deliverer. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see the sovereignty of God as he took Nebuchadnezzar, made him an animal for a while, and brought him back. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then how we saw what happened to uh, Belshazzar, the handwriting on the wall, and all those kind of things. And then finally, in chapter 6, God is the almighty God because Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and God shut the mouth of the lion 
lion's and uh, when, when they saw him and brought him out of the lion's den, Darius said, your God is the almighty God. And so we saw that in the first six chapters. Now, let me, let me show you how the book sort of fits together. Chapters 1 through 6, people have visions, Daniel interprets. interprets. Chapters 7 through 12, Daniel has visions, and the angels interpret it. Now, the visions to come that we're going to see are 7, 8, 9, and 10, 11, and 12 go together. Chapter 7 is in the first year of Belshazzar. Chapter 8, another vision in the third year of this guy named Belshazzar. You remember that's the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And then we have a vision at the year of the first year of Darius, and then another vision in the third, uh, third year of Cyrus. These are all different kings. Those are basically the dates that we believe that they ruled. And so we're going to see that these are not necessarily chronological. In fact, most of these events happen between chapter 4 and chapter 5, or chapter 4, chapter chapter 5 and, and between those and chapter 6. And so these events all fit that way. Now let me remind you of something. As, this is something you need to understand. When you look at the Bible, the Bible divides the world into two big sections, Jews and Gentiles. That's how it is. And from the time that God chose Abraham, all the rest of the way through the Bible, God has his people called the Jewish people. Now the rest of the world is called Gentiles, and the rest of the world Gentiles relate to the Jewish people. And when you look in the Bible, you find that there are seven Gentile world empires that have related to the Jewish people. We're not saying there's only been seven Gentile world empires, but there's been seven Gentile world empires that relate to the Jewish people. Let me show you what they are. They're first of all, Egypt. And you remember that was in the book of Genesis and Exodus where there was Moses and they came out of Egypt. And then we saw that the Assyrian Empire, that's the ones that took the Jewish people off into captivity in 721 B.C., 722 B.C. And then the Babylonian Empire, that's the one we're studying when you look at the book of Daniel, when Daniel was taken off into captivity. And then following that's the Medo-Persian Empire, which is going on. Daniel's still alive in the Medo-Persian Empire with Cyrus the king and all that. Then after Daniel died, the Greeks and the Macedonians came to power. Daniel talks about who they are. And then after that, the Romans came. And the Romans were the empire that was in power during the time of Jesus and during the time of the early church. And the Roman Empire sort of has faded away as a world power. But then there's another power coming, which has a 10-king federation. It's in the future. It hasn't happened yet. We often call it the revised Roman Empire because it comes back basically from what the Roman Empire was, and that's a future kingdom. So if you look at that, there have been seven Gentile world empires. And the reason I'm bringing this up is we're going to look briefly at the book of Revelation this morning in one place, and it talks about the seven empires. But during the time of Daniel... This had, these had already happened, and Daniel lived between these two. He died, then this came, then these came. This was the time of Jesus. None of these, this has not happened yet. And we'll talk more about that. So I just want you to think about it. Now, if you remember, and many of you may have not been here, you may have been, in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He was the king of the Babylonian Empire. It was a giant statue. And when he had that dream, he didn't know what it meant. He brought in Daniel, and Daniel told him what the dream meant, what the statue meant. And if you remember, there was the statue. And the head of gold represented the Babylonian Empire. And the silver on the statue represented the Medo-Persian Empire. That's what, those whole both happened in Daniel's lifetime. Now, the Egypt and the Assyrians aren't mentioned because they're before Daniel. Then 
bronze represented the Greco-Macedonians. The iron represented the Romans. Then nobody knew it. Daniel didn't know it because the church was, was a mystery in the Old Testament. Then there was the statue had ten toes, which represented that ten-king federation in the future. So this was a vision we've already seen. And God told Daniel to tell Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, you're Babylon. Following you will be Medo-Persian. Following you will be the Greco-Macedonians. Following them will be the Romans. And then without them knowing it, another empire, the Ten Toes, will be a ten-king federation. And that actually is going to be the time we call the Antichrist, the tribulation time period. We'll see how that fits together. So if you remember... That was the statue, that was the picture that we put up there. And as we start chapter 7, remember, this vision takes place in the first year of this king named Belshazzar. I want you to remember, Nebuchadnezzar died. His son named Nabonius became the king. The king ruled for a period of years, and then his son... Belshazzar ruled with him. And this was the man that was found in Daniel chapter 5, the handwriting on the wall that we studied. This man named Belshazzar was the king that died in Daniel chapter 5. So Daniel's dream takes place in the very first year that he was the ruler. Most of you know that Daniel probably lived to be about 90 years old. This takes place when Daniel is about 70 to 75 years old. This takes place between chapter 4 and chapter 5. Daniel sees a dream, and these animals come up out of the sea. And what I want you to understand is each of these animals is representing those nations that we saw in Daniel chapter 2, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greco-Macedonians, the Romans, and then the Ten King Federation. We're going to see that from these animals. So let me give you the, just the brief outline of what we're looking at this morning. If you say to yourself, this is a lot. Yes, it is. And we're going to, it's going to take us three weeks to go through Daniel chapter 7 because we're going to review it every week to make sure we know where we are and what's going on. So we're going to see in verse 6 verses the three beasts and then in verse 7 and 8 the fourth beast and then we go to heaven. We see the scene in heaven, what happens at the end time. So look at Daniel chapter 7, look at verse 1. It says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. And then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. Now remember, this is the first year of Belshazzar, so Daniel is about 70 to 75 years old. That's all we know. Uh, this king, uh, Belshazzar, rules for about 14 years. So this is, and, and then he died, and then Daniel lived on. So he, Daniel could be as young as 70, but could be as old as 70 to 75. We just, don't, we just don't know exactly how old he is. Daniel has a dream, and it's a vision in the dream. And he knows it must be from God. And so he gets up from bed after having the dream, and he writes it down. And he writes it down so we can have it in this part of the Bible. And then Daniel begins to tell the dream. Look what he says. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up great, the great sea. So he looked out and he saw the great sea. The great sea for them would most likely be the Mediterranean Sea. And so he probably saw the Mediterranean in his mind, and he saw the waves and everything just moving up and down. The wind was blowing the sea. And by the way, in Revelation 17, 1 and verse 15, the sea is referring to peoples. And so we think what he's saying is, I saw the world, and coming up out of the world were these empires, were these nations. Now he's going to see them as animals. Notice in verse 3. He says, and four great beasts 
were coming up from the sea and they were different one from another. Four beasts, four animals, and these are different empires coming. Just like the statue, the head was Babylon and the arms were Medo-Persian and the chest were Greco-Macedonians and the legs were Roman and the toes were this other empire. We're going to find that each one of these animals coming up out of the sea represents one of those kingdoms. Now some of you may have studied this before and you go, hey, I, I know this. Some of you may have never heard this before and you go, oh, what are you talking about? Well, this is what we're going to see. This is God is giving the future revelation. Okay, the four animals. Daniel is seeing it. So here's the first one. Look what he sees. The first was like a lion and the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind was given to it. Well, here's the first thing. He sees a lion and this lion actually represents the, the Babylonian empire. We're going to see that it's the same as the head of gold. He starts right where he is and he says, okay, I know where I am. This is, the, this is Babylon. And then we're going to see the other follow. And, and we, we're trying to figure out what exactly does he mean. And when he said he had these wings, but the wings were plucked off and some say that's when, if you remember when Nebuchadnezzar uh, went crazy and God made him think like an animal and then God brought him back and went, that's Daniel chapter uh, 4, if you've ever studied the Bible, that we've studied Daniel chapter 4, that's what was there. It says he was lifted up, made to stand on his two feet, a human mind was given to him. Most believe that means Nebuchadnezzar came back and had his regular mind back. So the first animal coming up is this lion with wings on coming up out of the sea. Okay, and so it's a, it's a powerful thing. Now, here's the second one. Look at verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second one, resembling a bear. And it, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. Well, the bear... Uh, so the first one's Babylon. The bear represents the Medo-Persian Empire. That's the second thing. That's as you come down uh, the, 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 the big statue, you're coming down and you see the bear, and it represents, and here's what it says. It, there's, there's two things. Think about it. It's raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth. People go, what, what does that mean? Well, when the Medo-Persians took over, they conquered Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt. And so that's what people think that means. And then here's what it looked like. There's this bear coming with three ribs in the mouth, and that's what he sees. Then there's a third one. Look what it says. After this, I kept looking, and behold, another one like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. And the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to us. Well, here's the the third one is the four wings. This is the, the Greco-Macedonians. This is Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, the four wings talk about how fast it can go. Alexander conquered the whole world before he was 30 years old. He conquered the world. And then it has, it has four heads. What's the four heads for? You know this, that when, when uh, Alexander the Great died, his four generals took over and had four different unions. And so what we find, there's the beast. There's, it has wings. It has four heads. And so that represents the, the uh, Greco-Macedonians. And so we're, we're seeing it now. Now we're getting to the big one. You ready? Look at the next one. After this, I kept looking in the night vision. And behold, there was this fourth beast. He doesn't even describe it. He just says, it's dreadful, terrifying, extremely strong. It has iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down everything. The remainder with its feet crushed everything else. It was different from all the other beasts that were before it. And it had 
ten horns. Now, what we're seeing is it's the fourth beast for Daniel, but it's really the fourth and the fifth because the fourth is going to be Rome and the fifth is going to be a ten-king federation. Daniel didn't know there was a fifth because the church was a mystery. But he sees this beast coming. It's the fourth beast. It represents the Roman Empire. It has iron teeth, which is like the iron legs of the Roman Empire. And remember the statue. The statue had iron legs. That was the Roman Empire. Now, nobody knows what this beast looked like. Because he doesn't describe it. He doesn't tell us it looked like a bear. He doesn't tell us it looked like a lion. He doesn't tell us any of that. So when people draw it, they've drawn, I found all over everywhere trying to find out what people drew this. And so it looked like some beast or a dragon. And if you notice in this beast, there are the horns. Okay, and there are ten horns. And so here's this beast coming up, and it's dreadful. It's got iron teeth, and it's chomping on everything. And so here it comes. And so that's the Roman Empire and the Ten King Federation that's coming later. So let me just show you something. So you've got four empires, four beasts. Here they are. The first one is the lion. That's the, the Babylonian Empire. The second is the bear. That's the Medio Persian Empire. Then, the, then there's the Greco Macedonian Empire, the leopard. And then there's the Roman Empire and the ten horns and the little horn, which we're going to see later. That's the revised Roman Empire, or what we might call that future empire that's going to come. Let me show you another way to look at it. There, there they are. That's the four beasts. Here's another way to look at it. That's the four beasts. Those are just different renditions that I could find that give you the information. Now, I want you to understand something. Remember I said that Daniel sees four beasts, but there's actually five. And if you remember the chart that we showed you, there's the Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greco-Macedonian, Roman, and then the Roman Empire faded away. And the church age, that's us, it was never mentioned in the Old Testament, so Daniel never knew that. And so those feet, which had ten toes, and this animal that has ten heads, that, uh, ten horns, that's going to represent that final empire. So it, it's an amazing thing. So when we see the ten horns, the same as the ten toes, and let me give you a comparison between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 because they give us the same information. In Daniel chapter 2, there's the head of gold, which is the lion, the silver, which is the bear, the brass, which is the leopard, the iron, which is the Roman empire. They call it the dragon and the beast. Then there's the ten toes and the ten horns. And we see this drawing. And there's the head of gold. There's the lion. There's the arms, which is Medo-Persian. There's the bear. There's the Greco-Macedonians. And then there's the Romans. And then there's the ten toes and the ten horns and all of that. And then eventually there's the kingdom. So that's how those seem to fit together. That's the best that we can understand how they fit. So it's an amazing thing. So when you think about it, there, we have it again. Daniel chapter 2, head of gold. Daniel chapter 7, line, that's Babylon. And, and you just, I don't have to go through each one of those again, but there they are. And then there's the feet of iron and clay, which is the ten, which is the ten toes, the ten horns. There's the beast, the ten nations. And, of course, that's, that's the flow of the end time events. Now, you remember that I said earlier that there were the, the, the empires. And once again, there's the flow where Babylon... Greco, uh, Medo-Persian, Greco-Macedonian, Roman, then us, unknown to Daniel, and then the ten toes, and that's the ten kings. Now, remember I mentioned the seven Gentile world empires. And we said that Daniel lived, before, lived after these. So there was Egypt, Syria. He saw Babylon, the Medo-Persian. He saw Greco-Macedonians. He saw the coming Romans. And then, not knowing it, he saw the one of the future. 
Now, just so you understand something, let me just read this to you. You don't have to turn there. This is Revelation chapter 17. I just want you to listen to this. This is John getting the information. Now, I want you to remember something. Daniel lived here and here. John, which is the gospel of John, this is the one who was with Jesus Christ, he lived here. He gets information about these seven empires. Watch, just listen to what it says. Revelation chapter 7, it says this. Here is the mind. There are seven heads of the seven mountains, which are the seven kingdoms. They are the seven kingdoms. And then he says to John, five have fallen, one is, and one is yet to come. When John lived, five had fallen, one was, and one is to come. That's in Revelation chapter 17, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12 in that part. And so John was told, five have come, one is, that's the Roman Empire while he was there, and one is still to come. Now let me, let me just, and I'm, I'm going to turn back to Daniel just so I could be ready to look at this. You remember that the ten horns and the final kingdom, that's when God comes to set up the eternal kingdom. I want to remind you, this is the flow of end time events. This is the Old Testament. This is Jesus dying on the cross paying for sin. This is the church age. This is where we are now. The Roman Empire was during this time and then is gone. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come take us out. There's going to be a time on the earth called the tribulation. There's going to be a man come to power, which we all call the what? What do we call him? Antichrist. He's actually called the beast that rises out of the sea in Revelation 13. But he, he's going to rule. And this is that ten, there's going to be a ten king federation. Out of the ten king federation, one horn, one leader is going to come to power. That's the Antichrist. That's during this time period. So I just want you to understand that this is into the future. We'll be with Jesus Christ. We come back with him to set up the kingdom. This whole tribulation time period and the horn and all of that stuff doesn't have doesn't apply to us, but it's that future ten toes, ten kings that Daniel saw and that John saw. He saw the same thing as well. Now watch. You're in Daniel chapter 7. We've seen the listing of all of these things. And then look at verse 8. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were plucked, pulled out by the roots before it, and behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a man uttering great boast. Now that horn that comes out of the Ten King Federation is what we call the Antichrist. He boasts, he becomes a powerful world leader, and people all over the world are going to follow him. Now we won't be there. We're the church, we're the body of Christ. We'll be raptured out and taken out before this time happens. So you don't need to worry about what's going to happen and am I going to follow that beast and what am I going to do? You're not going to be there if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. But I just want you to see this. This is the, the Antichrist is the world ruler who comes to power during the tribulation, which is controlled by the devil. Now, I want to give you some titles. We say titles of the Antichrist. Now, these are biblical names. Now, watch. He's called the little horn in Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, we just read it, a little horn. He's called the king of Babylon in Isaiah. He's called the Assyrian. He's called the prince in Daniel 9, 26. He's called the fierce king in Daniel 8, 23. He's called the willful king in Daniel eleven thirty six. He's called the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians. He's called the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians. He's called the lawless one, and he's called the beast. Now, do you notice, biblically, he's never called the Antichrist. 
We've always called him the Antichrist. I mean, all I've heard all my, when I say all my life, I wasn't a Christian until I was older, but ever since I became a Christian, all you've ever heard about is the Antichrist. But the truth is, he's not even called that. He's called the little horn, the beast, the lawless one, the son of perdition. We can call him the Antichrist because we all know what we mean when we say that, but in truly, we probably ought to call him the beast or the horn or the lawless one or the son of perdition or the man of sin. We could do that. Now, I want to, uh, to show you something. This is Paul writing in 2 Thessalonians. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read this to you. This is what he says about this man we call the Antichrist or the son of perdition. Listen to what it says. I'm trying to find the right book. 2 Timothy, I mean 2 Thessalonians. He says, The man of lawlessness will be revealed who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. During the seven-year tribulation, the Jewish people will build their temple back. This man who comes up out of the Ten King Federation will become the ruler of the world, and at about the halfway mark of that seven years, or the three and a half years, He claims he's God. He goes into the temple at Jerusalem, puts an idol up of himself, and demands to be worshipped. That's who this horn is. And so in Daniel chapter 7, when he says, I saw this horn, and he has eyes like a man, and he's uttering great boast, this is the one we call the Antichrist, which is going to come. So here is Daniel, and he sees the Babylonian Empire, and the Medo-Persian Empire, and the Greco-Macedonian Empire, and the Roman Empire, and he doesn't even know it, but then he sees this ten kings, these ten horns, and he sees this one come up, which has all kind of power and boast and does everything. Now watch what happens, and this is how we end this morning. He kept looking. He said, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. That's God. That's God the Father, the Ancient of Days. His vesture was white like snow, and his hair was like, was like pure wool, and his throne was ablaze with flames. Can you imagine his throne flaming? And wheels were burning with fire. When you see the God, our great God and Father, sitting on the throne, and there's fire coming everywhere, and the wheels are burning, and his hair is white, and his eyes are like a flame of fire, and, and it, he's the Ancient of Days. And it says, a river of fire was flowing. He's showing judgment, by the way. And he's coming out before him, and thousands upon thousands were around him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. That means people and angels are all around the throne. And it says, and the court sat. That means he's fixing to judge. And the books were opened. And that's how we're supposed to stop this morning. There's that beast. The court, the books are open. It's the end of these empires. God is fixing to judge. I'm going to read something to you. Just listen. I know time is up. Just listen. He kept looking, verse 11. Because of the sound of this boastful words of the horn that was speaking, that Antichrist is speaking and talking about how he's God. And I kept looking until the beasts were slain and the bodies were destroyed and given to the burning fire and the rest of the beasts and their dominion was taken away and extension of life was granted them, but only for a short period of time. Bottom line, he sees God judge the Gentile world empires and he judges the Antichrist and dismisses them. And then watch what happens. I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. That's Jesus. And he came up to the Ancient of Days. That's the Father. And he was presented before him, and it was given to him, given to Jesus, dominion, 
glory and a kingdom and that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will never pass away. His kingdom is one which will never be destroyed. One day, God the Father will wipe out everything and Jesus Christ will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and rule forever and we will be with him. There is victory. It's already there. Now, we ain't even got the explanation yet. Daniel sees all this, and he goes up to some angel and goes, could, he, could you tell me what's happening? And the angel tells him what's happening. So this morning, we've seen the vision that represented the kingdoms. The fourth kingdom goes to the fifth kingdom, the ten-king federation, the Antichrist, the man of sin, and God the Father, ancient of days, destroys him and gives the kingdom to the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Wow. It's going to be fun as we go through the rest. And you may say, I don't know if I got all this. Don't worry. By the time we get through, you'll have it, okay, because we're going to go over it again. Let me give you some applications. Just remember this, that God is working out the events of this world. He raises up and sits down. We need to rest in the security of the character of God. He has made promises. And one day, we will be with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. God's working out the events. He is raising up and sitting down. That means there will be a time that God will rule the world. The Ancient of Days gives it to the Son of Man. The Son of Man is the title of the Messiah. When Jesus Christ was on the earth, there were two main titles that they called him. They called him the Son of David, and he called himself the Son of Man, which is from the book of Daniel, which means he's the Messiah and the Savior and the king. God will rule the world. And last but not least, rebellion is magnified in this little horn. That's, how, that's what man is like. In fact, it's a picture. The Antichrist desires to be God. He desires to rule. This is a picture of both us and the devil. I want you to think about it. As mankind, we're fallen. We've all gone astray. We want to do our own things. We want to rule our own lives. Satan himself and his rebellion is magnified against the beast. And when you look at it, there's no hope for mankind. And yet, there is hope. The only hope is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who reconciles man. God, the Father, brings man to back to himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior and King. If you do not know Jesus Christ is your Savior, I want you to understand. He came to the earth. He died on the cross. He paid for sin. He rose again. He conquered death. And he gives eternal life. Life forever with him simply by faith. It is not works. It is not us being good. It is simply putting our trust in Jesus to give us eternal life. If you trust in Jesus, he gives you eternal life, and you will be with the Ancient of Days and with the Son of Man in all eternity in the King of, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's faith alone in Christ alone. It is not works. It is not our faithfulness. It is not what we do. It is by grace we are saved through faith not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. I hope and pray everyone in this room, as you walk out these doors, you would say, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I know who the Ancient of Days is, and I know who the Son of Man is, and one day I'll be with him.